This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. All right, but we're going to jump in here. Um, and, and also, I wore the same shirt in the video so you guys could remember me. Right, it's been a while. So, um, John, could you hit those lights for me? So, I, I, it's uh, it's been a while. So, I want to make sure you guys could recognize me. All right. Um, and in with that being said, um, I've missed you guys, but I was so thankful to have those three weeks off um, from teaching, just to come in and soak everything up. And I'm so thankful to have people like Keith and Joel who did such a fantastic job. Y'all give it up for them, man. That was, uh, I'll say. Y'all killed it, but it was so good for me personally to be able to sit back and take that in. Because a lot of times whenever I'm not teaching here at the church, I'm off somewhere else, right? But I was able to sit for the last three weeks and just breathe all of that goodness in. And man, it was, it was fantastic. So um, yeah. And they finished up John. I, we told y'all. We'd finish, somebody else had to do it. I couldn't do it. We had to get somebody else to do it. But they came in here and they, they closed it out. So as I was thinking about where to head next, what we wanted to do next, um, I began to think about some different disciplines that we use in the, in the church or different disciplines that we have. And I started to begin to think about um, the church in general. And I began to think about uh, the language that we use in the church, church words, right? Like, have you ever uh, gone to church and sometimes you feel like you're stepping into a foreign country? You know what I'm saying? Like you, you see, like you walk in, they're like, hello, brethren, welcome to the Episcopalian Church of the Holy Trinity. Of the, you're like, what? what are, where am I? Right? You're like, what language are you using? Speak English, right? Yeah, I could keep going, but I'm not. All right. Like, and so I started thinking about these church words that, that we use in the church, this language that we use in the church. And I thought, man, let's, let's, let's just step back and talk about some of that. And so what I want to do is I'm just going to take, take some different words, and I kind of think it would be fun if we did this uh, every year, if we just kind of submitted some church words we want to talk about on a Sunday. But anyways, I want to step back and talk about some church words. They're kind of random but connected words over the next few weeks. And so today we're going to be talking about Sabbath. We can talk, we're going to be talking about the church word Sabbath, what that means, what that looks like, what God's um, design for the Sabbath is for you. We're going to be talking about next week, we're going to talk about fasting. Some of you guys are already like, I'm skipping that Sunday. Won't be here for that. Some of you are like, I don't need to fast. Some of you are like, I don't want to fast, right? And then the last week, this is the one I'm probably the most excited about, is communion. We're going to be talking about communion the third week of this series. And at the end of that, we'll actually take communion together as a church. And um, shame on me, we haven't taken communion together as a church yet. And the reason for that is because I wanted to teach on it before we did it. And so this, I'm really excited um, for us to take communion together as a church. So, Sabbath. Sabbath is an interesting concept. It's an interesting idea. It's an interesting thing. And, and sometimes it's a tough one, right? Like, if we, as we look at the word Sabbath, as we look at what the Sabbath is, the day of rest, that's sometimes hard for us to do. Don't you think? It's really hard even for pastors to do. And you might think, Mike, you guys are professional Sabbathers, right? Like, you should, this should be really good for you. This should be really easy for you. But it's not. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons why I wanted to teach on it this Sunday is because I had a friend who's a pastor, and, and one Sunday or one day he texted me, and he, he shot me a text with a podcast by a guy named Tim Keller, who's a great pastor. If you ever if you listen to podcasts, go look him up and listen to him. He's really good. And he sent me this this uh, sermon, and he said, "Hey Mike, could you listen to this and hold me accountable on it?" He says, "I'm having a hard time with it." 
And so I sure. So I listened to it, and what ended up happening, it was a sermon on rest and the Sabbath, and it kind of convicted me, and I was like, man, this is really good, and it made me want to share it with you. And so really, I'm actually taking some of the really great things that he talked about in his podcast. I'm going to share them with you, which is kind of cheating as a pastor, but we're going to do it. Right? We're going to do it anyways, right? So um, I'm looking forward to, to this and, and the Sabbath, and so... Um, and it's a good time for me to talk about Sabbath because I just took three weeks off from preaching. It's a good time to talk about rest because I just got to rest, right? So let's, let's jump in. So the Sabbath has an interesting reputation, right? Like when I said the word Sabbath, some of you guys thought of uh, Sundays at Grandma's house. Some of you guys thought of church on Sunday, church Sunday night. Some of you were like, I didn't think of anything, right? Like that didn't mean anything to me, right? The Sabbath has an interesting reputation. We have all these different, different things that go with it. Like, like if, if you're like me, you had a grandmother who on the Sabbath Sunday, the day of rest, she went to church Sunday morning, she went to church Sunday night, and there was nothing in between, right? Like there was no driving, there was like hardly any walking, like there definitely wasn't any cooking. You better hope that there was dinner like leftovers in the fridge because she wouldn't cook anything on Sunday. It was the day of rest. Is that, did any of you guys have experience like that? No. Y'all are the lucky ones, right? You got, y'all got to have food, right? So the Sabbath means different things for different people. But when we begin to speak of that word Sabbath, like, for example, I was telling John Ragsdale before church, I had a pastor one time who told me what the Sabbath is. That means you're in church all day. That means if you're, you're in church Sunday morning, you're in church Sunday night. And if you're not, you're in sin and you're probably going to hell. Like, that's kind of serious, man. Like, that's kind of serious. He took it a little bit too far. I wouldn't go that far with it, just so we're, just so we're clear that's not where I land on that, okay? Um, but for me, as, as I step back and I think about the word Sabbath, I think that it's more than church. Like, I think God's design and idea for Sabbath is more than just going to church on a Sunday. I think God's idea and design for Sabbath is more than just doing nothing, right? Because sometimes we take it that direction. We're just, I'm just going to do nothing today, right? I'm just going to rest and do nothing. I, I, think it's, I think it's bigger than that. I think God has a bigger plan for the Sabbath in our lives than just going to church for an hour, which is great. Glad you're here. But then also, then rest. As a matter of fact, I think Jesus thinks that too. I think the Sabbath was bigger for Jesus too. As a matter of fact, let's check out John Chapter 5, real quick. Yeah, we all thought y'all got away from it. So in John chapter 5, we see, and I'm not going to go through the whole story. I just want you to see Jesus' response. But in John chapter 5, Jesus shows up at the pool of Bethesda on a Sunday, or on a, not, excuse me, not a Sunday, on a Sabbath. And he shows up on this Sabbath, and he heals this paralytic man. And, he, and, and what happens is the paralytic man gets so excited, he runs around, he's telling everybody, and the Pharisees get upset about this. Y'all remember this? We talked we talk about this about, I don't know, like last September. Um, we talked about this. And, and so Jesus heals this man on the Sabbath. He gets excited. He goes and tells everyone. The Pharisees get upset. And here's what happens. I'm going to start in verse 16. It says, therefore, the Jews became persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus responded to them, my father is still working and I am working also. And this is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So we see Jesus, as we look through the book of John, as we look through the Gospels, we see Jesus healing people on the Sabbath. We see Jesus working on the Sabbath. We see Jesus doing all these different things on the Sabbath. And the Jewish leadership were going out of their mind because of them, they had certain rules. The Sabbath was rest, do nothing. But to Jesus, it was more than that. 
To Jesus, it was something bigger than that. And so what I want us to kind of look at, just want to use that example real quickly. I want us to look at the Sabbath and see maybe what is it that's bigger than what we have in our minds of it. You say, okay, Mike, so it's more than church. It's more than just not doing nothing. So what is it? So let's, let's jump back to Genesis. Let's go way back. We're going to go Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to start right around there. I'm actually going to start at Genesis 1, verse 30, 31. And so we see in the beginning, we see God creating and creating. He creates the heavens and the earth, and he creates the land and the animals, and he creates and he creates and he creates, and he eventually he creates mankind. And then as after he's done creating, that's where I'm going to pick it up, verse 31. And it was so, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Not just good, he looks at all of his creation, and he says, that's real good. It is very good. And evening came, and then the morning on the sixth day, chapter 2, verse 1, so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. By the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. From all of his work that he had done, God blessed the seventh day, and it says, and he declared it holy. For on it he rested from his work and creation. So we see God create and create and create and create. And then he steps back. He looks at his creation. He says it is good. He appreciates his creation. He soaks it in. And then he rests. And then he does this really interesting thing where the Bible says he blesses the seventh day and he declares it holy. Holy means to be set apart. Right? So the Bible says that as Christians, we're called to be holy. So we're called to be set apart. We're called to look different, act different, talk different than the rest of the world. Does that make sense? So we're called to be set apart. We're called to be holy. So God here is declaring the Sabbath day holy. And he's saying this day, the Sabbath day, is called to be set apart. The Sabbath day is called to look different, to feel different than the rest of your work week. The Sabbath day is a special day. It's called to be set apart. It's called to be different. And so if it's called to be different, how do we make it different? How does it look different? How does it feel different? Well, let's look at God's example. What does he do? God creates, creates, creates. He's working, 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 working. And then he steps back. He stops. He looks at his creation. And what does he do? Rest. I know you're thinking rest. But before he does that, to get to the rest, he appreciates and enjoys and he takes in the things that he has worked and strived for. Essentially, he's enjoying the fruits of his labor. He's soaking it all in. Right? Have you, ever, have you ever had a project or something that you worked on and when you finished it, you were just so proud of it? Like something that you did maybe at work or something you did for a friend, you're just like, you finished like, oh man, that is good, right? Like I'm not the most uh, artistic person. As a matter of fact, I was on a, a conference chat with some of our dream team leaders last week talking about the 10 for one. And I said, um, I said, I'm gonna need your, y'all's help figuring out ways that we can renovate this room because I, I, there's a lot of things people can call me, but creative is not really one of those things right? And so uh, anyways, so, but anyways, so one, one day Katie found this uh, table that she wanted me to build. So I'm not real creative, but I got in there. I got, I, Stephen Reismith came over to the house, helped me out because he is creative. And we knocked out this table. We built it. And when we were done with it, despite the fact, you know, it wasn't painted great necessarily by me. It was, you know, a little wobbly. Like you said, you kind of fell a little bit, you know, all those kind of things. Um, one of the little beams is sticking up. You jab your hand. Anyways, besides the point, all those things, I looked at it. I set it in the corner and I just sat back and I said, it is good, right? Because I'm, 
not good at that kind of stuff. So I sit back, appreciate anybody comes over the house. I'm like, have I showed you the table I built? Right? <laughs> They're like, yes, three times, Mike. Yes, yes. <laughs> I step back. I'm looking at the, my creation. I'm soaking it in. I'm appreciating. I'm being thankful for it. I'm enjoying the fruits of my labor. And so the first thing we see God do when he's finished creating as he heads into that rest day is he appreciates all of the hard work, all of his creation, and he enjoys it. And then he heads into rest. And so what I would say for us in that is we apply that to ourselves is as we head into the Sabbath day, sometimes we're so busy working, 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 and doing, and doing, and doing, and doing, we never can step back and appreciate all that's been done. Like if I step back and I just talked about what I want the river to be, what I want the river to be, what I want the river to be, I'll never step back and appreciate what it is. And so in our work, in our labor, God wants us to have those moments where we step back and we take it in. Oh man, this is good. And I'm thankful. And not just for the things that we've done or the things that we've done during our work week, but for the things that God has done in our own lives that day where we step back and we soak it in and we go, man, I've been driving like a chicken with his head cut off, which I got a story to tell you all about a chicken, but I won't do that today. Um, chicken with his head cut off, we're just running around everywhere and we don't ever step back and appreciate all the goodness, all the things that God has done, his, his blessings on our family, his blessings in our lives, his goodness to us. And so God is saying, I've set this day apart for if nothing else, for you to step back, breathe in, appreciate everything that's been given to you, everything that your life is and everything that the creator has blessed us with. God believes in this so much that the Bible says that he put it in the big 10. He put this in the 10 commandments. Check this out. Exodus 28. Remember the Sabbath day. This is one of the 10 commandments he's given to Moses and keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh is a Sabbath day to the Lord, your God. You must not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male, your female slaves, your livestock, for like a rapper there, or your foreigner who is within your gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the seas and everything in them in six days. Here's what I want you to get. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and declared it holy. It seems like this is important to our God. He put it in the same thing with don't kill. It's not meant to be a burden on you. Like, I'm not up here preaching like, you need to chill out and quit working. No, I'm not here to make you feel, it's not about guilt or a burden or shame. It's to say, I want you to appreciate this good thing, that our, this gift that our God has given you. Because it's meant to be a gift to you. But so if it's a command that our God gives us, he even puts it in the Ten Commandments, if it's meant for our good, why don't we do it? Right? Why don't we rest? And you're like, Mike, we're at church. I'm talking about something. I'm talking about resting and appreciating and taking in all that life is, all that God has given us. All that, like, I'm talking about that. Why don't we do it? Well, here's, here's why. And, and, and I'm going to list off a bunch of different reasons. But one, it starts all with this, is that we live in one of the most workaholic cultures in history. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One is cost of living. Cost of living keeps rising like used to be. You know, 50 years ago, you could raise a family of four on one income. It was tight, but you could do it pretty easily, right? Now, you, now generally, you've got to have both people working in, in the household. So cost of living is rising up. So you've got to work, 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 work. Job security is more rare than it used to be. Like granddad worked 30 years, the same job, had the union, had his back. He's good. He worked 30 years, retired. Everything's good. Now, the average person works three or four different careers in their working lifespan. 
Why? Job security is not as good as it used to be, and so we got to work, 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 work. We got to stay ahead of everybody else. We got to outwork it. So that creates a workaholic culture. And as, as the, in this workaholic culture, we don't step back and rest. Busyness is a badge of honor, right? What, what do we say? Working hard is a badge of honor. So it creates that. How are you? Exhausted. Like if you ever meet somebody and say, how are you? Like, man, I'm doing great. I feel rested. You're like, what's wrong with that guy? Right? You're like, lazy, right? Hard work is this badge of honor that we got to wear and we got to show everybody I'm tired, right? I'm tired. I'm actually doing pretty good, to be honest with you guys, right? I'm not that tired yet. So there's all these things playing this workaholic culture. One of the biggest ones is technology, right? Like, like now we can work from anywhere, so we're expected to work from anywhere. I was talking to a friend a while back, lives in uh, Butler, Georgia, and he was telling me a story about, maybe some of you guys know about this, I, I, I'm familiar, but how about back in the day, they all used to share one phone line. You know what I'm talking about? Like not, not one household, I'm talking about the neighborhood. Some of you guys are like, what? <laughs> Impossible, right? So like you pick up the phone and you know, so-and-so's down the sh- like five houses down talking to her boyfriend. You're like, get off the phone, I gotta call grandma, right? I'm using a lot of grandparents' illustrations today. Um, gotta call grandma, right? And so like the whole neighborhood shared one phone line, right? Now you got three-year-olds that are tweeting, right? Like they got their own phones, like Gideon's, you know, never mind, sending out phone, you know, calling people from my phone. So because we can work from anywhere, we're expected to work from anywhere. And if we don't set up boundaries, then our work life bleeds into our dinner time, family time, ball games with the kids, right? And so all of these factors combined make this workaholic culture that is the enemy of rest, the enemy of breathing in the good things that God has given us. And really all of those, I think, are mixed up into these last two that I'm going to give you. And these kind of hurt a little bit. They hurt me a little bit at least. So I'm there's this thing in us that creates this workaholic nature in us. And it's this deep insecurity, this deep need to prove myself. It's this, this deep need that was within us that we're never enough, we're never good enough. And so we have to keep working, keep working, keep working to prove our own worth to no one else but ourselves. It, it's, it's why every single mom you talk to feels like she's an awful mom. She's never done enough. It's this thing in us that's a, that's a lie, first of all. It's a lie. It's not true. The Bible says that in Jesus, he is enough for you. The Bible says that you, he is your purpose. He is your foundation. He is your identity. You need nothing more than that. But this, this, this deep thing in us, this need to, to prove ourselves. And like if, I, if we were honest, and, I add, and I'm not going to do this. I'll never do this to you. But if we were like, who in here really honestly, truly doesn't feel like we're adequate at our jobs? I bet half the hands in here would be raised up. And the other half would probably just be liars. Like it's this thing where we're just, we know we're not good enough. And we're just like, feel like we're just lying until they figure it out, right? Which is why our job security is low. We got to keep working harder to prove because like, I don't feel secure in my job, right? It's a sick cycle, man. It's why you have that famous Rocky quote when they asked Rocky, they said, Rocky, why you gotta keep boxing, Rock? Why can't you stop boxing, Rock? And he says, what do he say? He says, I gotta prove I'm not a bum. All of us are just trying to prove we're not a bum, man. You're not a bum. <laughs> so we have this innate desire, this need to prove ourselves, and that bleeds into the thing that we draw our meaning from becomes our work. 
And so it creates this workaholic nature in us. And, and, and the thing about it is it used to be um, in a lot of cultures around the world, we, we derive our meaning from friends, community, family, those types of things. But now the American culture has drifted into we define who we are by what we do for a living. That, that's why the first thing you ask somebody is, what do you do? That's why I lie to people. What do you do? I'm, a, I'm work from home. Because right? if I tell them pastor, they get real, real weird. Right? I, had one, I had one neighbor thought I was a drug dealer for like six months. <laughs> oh, man. But so we, it leads into this thing where we find our meaning from work. And, and, and the thing about the Sabbath is it pulls us away from that. Sabbath rest pulls it away because what Sabbath rest does, it says you have to stop and you have to step back and you have to find your foundation. You have to find your meaning. You have to find your rest. You have to find your identity in Jesus and what he's provided for you instead of keeping working to prove that you're more. And, and it's okay to find, our, find meaning in work, but it shouldn't be the thing that gives us meaning, right? Christ is that for you. Christ is that for you. When Jesus was asked and challenged about the Sabbath in Matthew chapter 6, uh, his response was this. He says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Because they say, you're doing all these things. You're breaking all these Sabbath rules. And his response was, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And what he means by that is if Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, it means the Sabbath points to him. And ultimately what it means is that he is the Lord of rest for us. And so if the Sabbath points to Jesus, it means that he is where we find our rest. And hear me, if you don't take time to rest, if you don't take time to slow down, if you don't take time to breathe these things in, you won't find it anywhere else. Last week, Joel had a fantastic sermon talking about living a resurrected life, right? Living in the, the power of a resurrected life to overcome sin, to overcome all different things, all the different challenges in our lives. Hear me, these two go together. Because the place where you find the power to live a resurrected life, the place where you find the ability to live a resurrected life comes back to and outflows. It all comes from Jesus Christ. But if we don't stop and breathe that in, then you're never going to have that ability. And so I love you. I love you. I love you. Rest. And I'm not talking bad about your work. It's a great thing. I'm saying, find rest in Jesus. So how do we do that, right? Hebrews uh, chapter 4, 9 through 11 says this, this, Therefore, Sabbath rest remains God, for God's people. For the person who has entered into his rest has rested from his own works just as God did from his. I love this. Therefore, verse 11, let us make every effort to enter into that rest. The author of Hebrews is saying, God has created this rest for you to come and rely on him, to soak up him, to, to, to take in all those things he wants to give you. He's created this for you. And so he says, therefore, because he's done this, let's do everything we can, every effort. Like I just imagine somebody just throwing every obstacle out of the way, make every effort to get into that rest. Every effort to find that rest, to soak it up. Listen, look at me. I want to look at all your eyeballs. Look at me. Yeah, all y'all are like, what? <laughs> look at me. You need this rest. You need it. It's, it's a gift from God to you. It's not a burden. And God being generous in mercy and love for you created the Sabbath for that. Like he created this incredible system for that rest for you. 
so that one of the seven you would find this rest. It, it, it's, it's, it's amazing, right? As a matter of fact, I, I read a New York Times article, watched a TED video, TED.com, and then watched a, actually read another article this week all talking about the secular Sabbath. Have you guys heard about this? So, so um, secularists are starting to realize that our bodies need a Sabbath rest. And so they're writing articles pleading for people to take the Sabbath rest. They got the idea from the Bible, and they're saying, this thing in the Bible is actually a pretty good idea. Like, we're learning scientifically that your body needs this. And so they're pleading, asking, they're calling it a secular Sabbath. And I'm like, <laughs> right? Like, it's just infuriating, right? Like, come on, man. They see it. So God calls us to this Sabbath. How do we do it? How do we do it? So I'm going to give you, if you take notes, you can write these few things down. How do we do it? And then I'll be finished. The first thing we need to do to find Sabbath rest, the first thing we need to do to, do to rest, and this one is, is really deep, okay? So be ready. Take time off. In order to rest, you need to schedule and you need to take time off. As a matter of fact, I just did that, right? I talked about... How, how I just did that, and, and you need to liberate yourself. You need to liberate yourself from the strangle of work, from emails, from text messages. Um, for me, uh, Sunday is not a great Sabbath day for me, right? Because I'm up real early, um, going all day, and uh, it's just not a good one. And, and then Saturday is not a good Sabbath day for me either. Like, if you ever hang out with me on Saturday, you're like, Saturday Mike is not fun Mike. Like, Saturday Mike's not a guy I like. And the reason why is because all day Saturday, yes, Katie, all day Saturday, the only thing I can think about is today. And so I'm no fun to talk to. I'm no fun to hang out with because my brain is here all day long. It's, it's these 30 minutes. This is our hour. This is where I'm at, right? And so I'm no fun. So what I do, what my family does is we schedule Monday to be my Sabbath day to be our Sabbath day. So on Mondays, uh, I don't usually schedule stuff. I don't, you know, I don't really, if you try to get a hold of me on Sundays for church business, you're probably not going to get me. I don't really answer emails because we set that apart to be our, our Sabbath day. And, and here's the thing is you need to schedule that for you. So sometimes work schedules are different. Sometimes life is crazy and Sunday can't be that day for you. You need to schedule that somewhere for you. You need to work with your family to figure out what that's going to look like for you. And then you've got to fight for it and you've got to defend it because people aren't going to understand it. Right? We're in a workaholic culture. They go, why aren't you working? Why aren't you answering emails? And then you feel guilty because what you feel like you've got to prove yourself, right? And so it's, a, it's this cyclical thing. You've got to defend it. Look, being a, being a preacher, you know, uh, it was hard for me to set this up for my family. And then I set this up. We set this up 10 years ago, right, Katie? We, it used to be a Friday. Set this up 10 years ago when I started uh, pastoring um, and protecting. And sometimes people didn't understand it. And for a while, I felt like I had to prove myself, right? It goes back to that. I got to prove I'm not a bum, right? But now I don't care anymore. <laughs> and so we set that up and you got to defend it because people won't understand it. And hear me, it will pay dividends for you and your family. Because sometimes the work week is crazy. Sometimes you're going like this week, I didn't get home. We didn't get home almost every night till like nine or 10 o'clock. Like we got in home in time to crawl on the bed. And you know what kept me going? I can't wait till Monday, right? You need it. So take times off, schedule that, and it, always can't, it can't always be Sunday. Sometimes Sunday might never work for you because careers are different, right? Some people work. Anyways, schedule it, okay? Schedule it with your family. Secondly, what do you do on your Sabbath time off? You need to balance your time. It doesn't always have to or need to look the same. So you need to balance your time, and I'm going to give you three different ways you can do that. 
three different ways we try to do it. We're not perfect at it, okay? Uh, like there's sometimes we don't do it, we just run right over it, we miss it. But here's, here's three ways you can do it. The first one is avocational things or avocational things, and that is things like fishing, camping, getting outside, mowing the yard, and that's crazy. Um, doing things like that, grilling out with friends. This past uh, Sabbath, Katie and I went kayaking right? Get outside of your normal grind. Get outside of your normal circumstances and do something different. If you're like, Mike, I hate all of those things you just mentioned, find something else. Find a hobby. Find something that you like to do and spend your Sabbath day doing that with you and your family, right? Second one of those is contemplative. So the first one is kind of getting out, doing, doing, doing. The next one is are kind of more of inner discipline. So find a book to read. Find, um, find a podcast to listen to. Find a book on tape if you don't like to read and play it in the house. And it doesn't have to be even scripture. It doesn't have to be the Bible, right? Like a Sabbath day, I got to read the Bible. Um, on my time off, I read the Chronicles of Narnia, kids' books, right? I, because I read a lot of leadership stuff. I read a lot of uh, Bible commentaries, a lot of theology stuff. And during my time off, I didn't want to read any of that. And so if you're Sabbath day, you might need to get out of what you normally read, normally do. If it's just a book you want to read for fun, take it in, soak it in, spend your time doing that. So get out, do, do, do. Then inner discipline, spend time with God, worshiping, looking to him. And then the last one is this one. You'll, you'll like this one maybe. The last one is inactive time inactive time. That's time where you do nothing. Your pastor, it's like a doctor's note here, your pastor is giving you permission to be a couch potato every once in a while. Like there's some Mondays where Katie and I are so exhausted for, from the weekend because weekends aren't, again, I explained it to you, but weekends aren't really restful time for pastors, right? There's sometimes Katie and I are so exhausted from the weekend that we're just like laid out on the couch and Gideon's like setting fires and stuff in the house and we're like, it's all right, we'll be fine, right? We'll be okay, right? Katie's laughing, come on, you know, it's kind of true. Um, there's sometimes you need to just do nothing and be a couch potato and veg out and that's not what you, it doesn't mean, need to be your primary thing you do on your Sabbath day, but it's okay to make it one of the things you do occasionally, right? Like that's, it's a biblical concept. In the Old Testament, um, God told the Israelite farmers that every seven years they needed to give the land a Sabbath rest. And so during that Sabbath rest, you know what the land did? They didn't tell the land to get a hobby. They didn't tell the land to read a book. They said, land, rest. We're not planting anything. We're not going to till the ground. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to let the land revitalize. Matter of fact, one of the articles I read was, a, was an artist talking about how, secular artist, how every seven years he shuts down his business and travels the world looking for inspiration. It's pretty cool. So every once in a while, you just, on your Sabbath, you just need to recover. You just need to recover. And here's the thing about it is if you're worried about your work, all of these things, if you are resting in, in healthy rhythms, those things will go back into your work and give you inspiration for your work, will make you a better employee, a better worker, and will actually make you more successful at your work. Like for me, here's my example. When you know, I took three weeks off from teaching, and in the first week, I was just recovery Mike. Like, like, I'm just glad to show up and be here and just make it. The second week, I loved being a church member. I got here, enjoyed the service, enjoyed the preaching and teaching. By week three, I, I enjoyed it again, but I was like chomping at the bit ready to get back, right? Rest does that to us. It re, uh, and revitalizes us for the things that we are created to do. And so you need to rest. So in that, 
The next thing you need to do is be accountable. Have people in your life that can hold you accountable. Have people in your life that can say, Mike, chill out. You need to stop. Because there's seasons in our lives that are so crazy and so busy that we can't fit in the Sabbath rest. And like, that's, that's a reality. So I'm not going to stand up here and be like, you got to do it every week because there's, there's seasons that it's just nuts and you can't. I'm going to give you that grace. All right. There's seasons, there, we understand that, right? But even in that, you need to have people that are going, all right, I know it's crazy right now. I know you, you can't seem to do it right now, but we need to start creating a plan. We need to start building something so that we can work towards that, so we can get to that. As a matter of fact, uh, Tim Keller, the guy that I was telling you about at the beginning, he told a story about that in the podcast. And he said that when they planted their church, he told, it, he told his wife, said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work like crazy for two years. He said, in those two years, I'm going to work, you know, from the time I get up, time I get down, it's just going to be crazy. That's what we got to do to get this church up off the ground. I don't recommend that. I don't think it's very wise, but that's what he did. Okay. And so he said, I'm going to go, I'm going to work, 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 work. Well, about year five, he's still burning the candle at both ends, right? He's still going, 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 going. He said he got home and his wife had their wedding plates, their wedding dishes. And he walked in and she goes, throw it on the ground. Next one, just over. And he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? She said, you told me you were going to rest. You told me you were going to stop. You told me there was going to be two years. And she said, you're not listening to me when I tell you you need to rest. So maybe this will get your attention. Right? He goes, okay, 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 okay. Sometimes that's what it takes. Right? Some of you people are like, I got an idea. So here's what's funny, though, is going back, he asked her why she destroyed all the dishes, and she said, well, actually, I wasn't that mad. Those are the ones that didn't have the matching cups anymore. She said, I was going to throw them away anyways. But, <laughs> but we need to have people that hold us accountable. So it's a friend, it's a spouse, it's a community group or a community group leader, something, right? And so all in all, hear me, you need to rest you, you need to take that in, right? You need that. You need that. You need that. And so my challenge for you today, my application for you to do today is to go home and make it happen. And so what that might look like for you, and you, you, you might already be going, well, Mike, but I got this. I got these, the kids, and I got the work, and I got da, da, da. And you're coming up with all these excuses, all these excuses, all these reasons why you can't. And normally I would just tell you, you know, excuses are like armpits. We all got them, and they all stink. But I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to tell you that today, right? Instead... What I'm going to say is all those reasons that you just listed off in your head are all the reasons why you need to rest. The reasons why you say you can't rest, the reasons why you say you can't find that Sabbath are the reasons why you need to. Your family's too important for you not to find that rest. Your job's too important for you not to find that rest. Your relationship with God is too important for you not to find that rest. All the reasons why you say you can are all the reasons why you have to, Okay. So you're going to have to go home. You're going to have to sit down with maybe your spouse, a friend, a community group leader, and you're going to have to make a plan. And that means you might have to call a boss and say, hey, I, I'm going to have to protect some of these hours. Or you might have to say no to some things. Or you might have to say yes to some things. Or you, whatever that is, you might have to make a phone call you don't want to make. But you need to go home and you need to map it out and you need to make a plan. And as you make the plan, secondly, here's the thing about plans. They don't work unless you do them. So you got to go home, you got to make the plan, write it out if you need to. Secondly, execute the plan. Have somebody holding you accountable, execute the plan, just like my friend did. Hey, listen to this podcast and hold me accountable. And it worked. We did it for each other. Execute the plan and then fairly find that healing rest. I love you. I care about you. 
I want you to have this. You need this, okay? You need this. I want, I want you to be a fully formed disciple of Jesus. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be rested. I want you to live a powerful, butt-kicking Christian life, okay? But you can't do that unless you walk in this rest with Jesus. You're always going to be operating at 70, 80, 50%, and never at the full capacity of what you can be, okay? You guys can go ahead and come on up. And, and as the band's coming, I want to say this. If, if you're in here today and what I'm saying to you is like screaming in your face like, that, I need that, I want today to be the day that you find that rest. I want today to be the day that you step up and you breathe that in. And so as we sing our final song, as we worship the Lord together this final time this morning, what I want you to do is I want you to spend time praying and talking to and singing to and asking God to give you that rest to help you find it. Maybe you're going, man, I have been finding my purpose in work. Man, I have been feeling like I got to prove myself, like I'm a bum or whatever that is. Help God to get you out of that. Or not help God, ask God to get you out of that. Ask him to help you find that rest. And then listen, we have guys that are gonna be hanging out with the, I was calling lapels, whatever those things are, the lanyards on. And, it, and if you need someone to pray with, step down and grab them and say, hey man, I, I've been working my butt off. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. I'm about to fall apart here at the seams. Pray for me that I can find that rest and let them do it, okay? God, I love you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the fact that you're such a good God that you created a system where we can find rest, where we can step back and appreciate everything that you've given to us, appreciate all the fruits of our labor, just step back and find our rest in you. God, help us to take advantage of it. Lord, we're foolish if we don't. Lord, this isn't a burden that you put on us. This isn't a weight that you put on us. This is one of the most incredibly freeing gifts that you give to us. Father, I love you. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.